Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you how they saw the news from the past month. This is episode number 35 for April 2010. No, 11. the problem is I'm reading my text and I haven't updated my text for 2011 apparently so let me do that right now. Hello <laughs> everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. My name is Patrick Beja and we are going to have a um, different show today because for various reasons we only have half an hour. So the game is going to see is going to be to see how much we can pack into that half hour which should be quite a lot because Turkey isn't here. So uh, he's not going to be bogging us down. Um, but you'll be happy to hear that we have two amazing hosts. Anyway, we have Randy Jordan, who's been here quite a bit uh, on the show. How are you doing, Randy? Very good. Aloha. Good morning. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day in sunny Southern California. And by the way, it's your fault. We only have half an hour, so it's my. Right. Let's blame Randy. Yeah, it, although I'm in all this for case, that. <laughs> the 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 lovely voice you're hearing is that of Maria, who hasn't Hiya. been on the show in forever. Oh yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it's been, and it was actually quite a, a different uh, time back then. When when was <laughs> it? Like a year ago or something? Well, it was previous to the pregnancy, at least. So. Yeah. I'm now a mother, as well as a nurse, and so, whatever I am. So I guess you'll be uh, having a very different view on the world now that you have a, a little, uh, a little baby to take care of. You'll be all emotional, and you won't be able to. Hey, think that's straight. a bit sexist, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. the, and the last time that Maria and I were on this show together, we talked about healthcare. The entire yes, episode yeah. was about healthcare, and. I'm so glad we're not talking about healthcare this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so in case you don't know, Maria is from Sweden. Randy is now recently relocated in California. Mm -hmm. And I'm from Paris. And uh, we will be trying to uh, tell you, the listener, how uh, we saw the different news that happened, and, you know, the different uh, things that happened in the world in the past month. However... Um, we were talking earlier while waiting for Randy, uh, Marie and I, and uh, we were thinking that we, a, lot, a lot of what's been happening is revolving around the Middle East uh, and the revolutions there. And we've been talking about this for like three months, and not that it's not important, it's obviously very important, but we're going to try to um, go a little bit quickly over it and get 
to other stories that are, you know, extremely important, like the royal wedding and things like that. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Maria might have a, an interesting opinion on this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, would, would, you, would you agree with me, Patrick, that for all of the... All of the modern world, the number one news story over the last month or four has been uh, unrest in the Middle East. I mean, that's just, that's, yeah. there's no, pl you're not going to go somewhere in the world and find, oh, they're not talking about this. They're talking about something else. Well, I don't know about the rest of the world. I mean, I can imagine that Asia, for example, is not as focused on it. Maybe they are, but definitely for France, at least, it's been, we've had every single day, you know, the daily update on what's happening in Yemen, which is knowing, you know, which is having major unrest. Um, obviously, Libya is still very, very active on that front with uh, Gaddafi. We heard about his latest speech where he's saying, you know, we would agree to a, 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 a ceasefire, but there is no way I'm going to leave because I'm not an elected president. I'm above that. I'm sort of a guide. So right. I'm not leaving. There is no <laughs> point. Um, and obviously Syria, which is, you know, it's interesting to see that these um, all, every single country, I think I said it last time, but they're following the same uh, pattern. And Syria, which we thought, last month might go differently maybe um is apparently following again the same pattern things are going a oh, little yeah, bit better but the, in Libya, but the violence spiral is kind of up going isn't it become more and more violent all yeah. the time yeah, yeah, uh, yeah if you look at that from a swedish point of view we uh, see most reports about libya and syria and especially syria the last few weeks now yeah yeah, obviously. I mean, it's it's. I guess the the same pattern is things are turning out to be a little bit different in Libya and Syria because the government is not giving up at all. Yeah. Um, but um, but it's not unlike you know they're they're promising to relax uh, the 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 rules and for some reason they seem to think that this will be enough to keep them in power and the street is obviously not happy with any of it and it's not you know saying we're gonna um the state we're gonna stop the state of emergency um that you know they they seem to think that that will be enough and it's never enough so no um, and it's not enough for the rest of the world either i mean NATO is not listening on that ear at all yeah. so and i'm glad they don't sure I often I often struggle with this uh, notion, and I'm not saying that it's, it's a wrong notion. It just always gives me pause when we are incredibly outraged when a government official, whatever that, a representative of a government, just goes and kills someone in the street. That is the uh, incredibly offensive thing for uh, any you know to happen in any place in the world. If if there are protesters or someone walking along with their groceries. And whether it's the army or some police or just anyone with a, a gun acting on behalf of the government, and they kill someone, that's horrible. And for some reason, our response, though, is to encourage those people to get guns of their own and kill the government. You know what I mean? And, like, there aren't also lives uh, and valuable lives at risk in that regard. It, there has never been a time when everyone in the government has said, oh, no, no, don't kill us. You know, we're innocent and, and, <laughs> and walked away from their jobs. You know, there's never, there, there's never been a time of that. And it always, it just always gives me pause. I don't know, 
I don't yeah. know why. That's, I'm so quick to say, okay, kill those government guys then. You know? Well, I guess it's about, you know, mm. it's about blame. You're, you're asking who is the offending party in this dispute. And at least, you know, most of the time, at least in these uh, instances, the government is the one who is the oppressive, uh, you know. Definitely. Um, the the oppressive body so it's okay quote unquote to take a gun and kill the government but it's you know or a representative of that government but it's not okay for the government to go and kill innocent people because i guess the government is not innocent innocent and when we say the government it's obviously the army the police all of that um well the know, government is supposed to represent the people that's the whole thing of a government so of course it goes against everything we believe right there Democratic I vote. just I just wish yeah, just once, um, just once in a, a Syria is a, the perfect place for it too. I wish just once there would be a report, an, an, a, a credible report, of some uh, some some troops shooting people in the street, and everyone in the government just throw their hands up and said, "Okay, I don't want to have anything to do with this," and walked out. You know, yeah, like, it's just just once. I'd like to, yeah, that to happen. You know, it's interesting. I was discussing. Obviously, we've been discussing this for for a few months uh, with my go my girlfriend, and she was saying, um, "I don't understand why none of these dictators, when they see that the situation is spiraling out of control, they don't just, you know, become the hero and say, okay, you know what? I'm giving the power to the street. I'm going to keep.'" I'm going to go away quietly and, you know, keep a, a few billions and uh, turn out to retire and be happy wherever they go live, you know, go live on an island or... And, and they, well, they are... as you were saying last episode, Gaddafi is clearly going all Charlie Sheen back there. So, <laughs> Yeah, but right. I mean, he is a special case. But when you think of uh, people in, you know, Mubarak and uh, Ben Ali and all of those, they could have just, you know said this is bad especially you know mubarak or even now uh, well Gaddafi maybe not but uh, i don't know you know when they're seeing that that is it, it's a genuine movement that is not just going to stop when they say okay we won't shoot you at night now we'll just shoot you during the day are you cool with that okay good you know that's you know, not going to work so just the, the opposite actually happened somewhere in the world this this month uh well, well actually it was in march uh jean-claude duvalier returned to haiti <laughs> well he actually that, went back yeah that didn't work and, out know, so well for him but no but I, I just think it's unbelievable like in in these places where we think well, i wish these dictators would just leave you know just leave we actually had a dictator go back that's amazing <laughs> it's you know i think one thing we have to say i we could talk about this for a long time but um one thing i want to say before we close that topic is it's incredibly, we have to salute the courage of the people that are pushing through and pushing forward, especially in, you know, Libya, obviously, it's become a war zone, but uh, Syria today is not an open civil war. It's a bunch of protesters that are still under the, the iron fist of the, the regime. And one of the things we've been seeing in France quite a bit is how the protesters are are facing uh, with, you know, facing the, the, the government and its authority and putting up uh, videos on YouTube, for example, or just going out in the streets and, and showing their, their um, you know, the, the fact that they don't want the government in place anymore with a huge risk for their lives. You know, it's not, 
uh, obviously it's not a video game or a, a some book or some movie that you're watching where you see oh that's heroism and some guy you know walking in slow motion that's people actually risking their lives for to, to fight a government that is oppressive and I, I just feel like maybe that's not uh, discussed enough. The, the heroism of these real people oh, yeah. is not discussed enough. We're talking but, about but the they're still being. Picture. I mean, these guys are being shot at every day, and yeah. as as I was saying, the the violence is escalating. So, uh, what are do you your country stand? Have you even discussed? If you know you need outside intervention in Syria too, just as we do in Libya, um, uh, have well, anyone you know, dared to touch that subject because no one really wants to go there? Well, the thing is, for for Libya already, there's been a lot of discussions in the past month because after the first push, uh, the Libyan forces—I mean, the Qaddafi forces—were starting to gain the advantage. So in NATO, there was a lot of discussions and. France and uh, Italy and a few and the UK and a few others had had to push through to sort of now we we didn't really decide on the NATO level to go back and and um and it it seems like it wasn't officially decided to resume the bombar the bombing of the Qaddafi forces but it still started Anyway, so it feels like France and a few others have been pushing to make sure that uh, the rebels are not completely uh, overrun. Yeah. In in yeah. in the you know within the scope of the previous resolution, and most importantly, they've been sending people to teach the the rebels who are you know they used to be dentists and students and so to teach them a little bit and give them coordination and communication devices and things like that. So yeah, there's definitely a feeling that we. You know, we took part in this for Libya. Syria is another matter entirely because the government is not just, you know, it's just at the stage at the stage of protests in the street. It's not an open an open civil war at this no. point. So we're not but really sure. It feels like we we're not really sure what we can do in Syria. But what how do, how do you how do you make a, that distinction anyway? When protests in the street result in people getting killed, I mean slaughtered. It, it's kind of that that's revolution right i mean it's hard to to draw a line well if it's less than a hundred people that get killed sure. in a day i mean i just i don't know it yeah. it's it's really hard to say I, if if it's only in one little area we don't necessarily call it revolution it has to be mm -hmm. sort of nationwide i, I don't know I, well I it's, defi it's definitely not a war in syria at this point right i mean right. you don't have armed protesters that are bending together in no the one side is just getting shot down yeah, but exactly i mean <laughs> i that's the grounds for stepping in i think i, or I guess so saying but, no yeah well, i actually i actually read where this one individual was quoted as saying he would rather the israelis step in like oh, yeah. wow that is serious <laughs> like that's to come weird. from syria that's you are in a lot of danger when you're so. when you're calling for the israelis to step in I don't so, know if you know, but Sweden actually have um, uh, 10 planes in Libya right now. Really? So here we have a huge debate about, uh, you know, are we going to take them home or not now? Are we going to stay down there? And the right-wing side, who is currently at power in Sweden, uh, they say, are you cr crazy? We have to step it up. And uh, the left-wing side said, no, take the planes home. Um, so what's the the the, the main uh, mainstream opinion about these revolutions in in Sweden? 
Well, actually, we have we are pro. I say, <laughs> both on the yeah. left and the right side. I mean, even if there are, even if the social democrats says that we should pull out our planes, everybody is for this uh, this people uprising. Everybody is applauding that yeah. definitely. Yeah, of course. I mean, people uprising is no one's going to say no. They should stay yeah. home and you know <laughs> raise their children. But I guess the the way to go about it is the but uh, but the discussed. debate here is how much involved should we be? Yeah, should so, should it be resolved by themselves or should should we be involved? So what's and so the left wing is saying no. Just let them handle it. Oh, well, it's not and... it's not as black and white. Uh, mm. I mean, from the beginning, everybody says, oh, we can't go in and play Big Brother just like uh, evil United States used to do. But then the debate, and then, then people says, oh, wait a minute, this is a completely different situation because these are unarmed civilians that are being murdered. So even uh, left, the red side, the left wing, uh, there are definitely people who think that we should stay as a military force, definitely. Randy, are are you guys? I mean, in the U.S., are you still paying attention to this, or did yes. the the whole tornado uh, thing take away from the? Well, if if you're asking me, what's the biggest story in the United States? Like, what's the dominant only story in the United States for the last week? It's You'll the, tell me it's, the royal it's the weather. weather. No, it's the weather. Of course. In in fact, I was a little surprised at how the royal wedding didn't eclipse it for even a day. Because I'm old enough to remember very clearly when Charles and Diana got married, and that was the biggest news story in a decade. You know, it was it was something that was that dominated all media to a degree that you you know you have a hard time comparing it to something. The the, the that royal wedding I would compare to the space shuttle Challenger disaster. You know, in terms of of media in the 80s, but then. You come, you come to this time in our in our history, and I'm thinking, oh, royal wedding, that's going to really dominate at least. No, not in the United States. It 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 was small, I would say, in the United hmm. States compared because to of, because of the weather, because of the the storms. The the storms went on day after day after day, and you know, after two days, it was over a hundred people dead, and everyone started freaking out. And then after three days, it was two hundred people dead. This morning, we're hearing three hundred and fifty deaths due to and and that's cumulative over a really large part of the United States. So that but it that's seems like it seems like this keeps happening, you know, every year or actually every six months. You have incredible, you know, either storms or tornadoes or something. And I don't know, it's I'm not trying to be insensitive, but If are these happening in different places, or because obviously Florida is always, you know, um, one of the theaters of these. Uh, uh, ah, Florida suffers more from hurricanes, right. and this was this was primarily uh, front-driven tornadoes. Uh, but we're talking about the deadliest single day, the second deadliest single day in the history of the United States, as far as far as from weather, and the number one was 1925. Hmm. So I wouldn't say so this is a like very common. Okay, I see. Because occurrence. from here, I, I guess from here, the way we saw it was incredible destruction. But we don't go into enough detail to know. You know, I guess this is something I, that 
for 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 me in France, maybe I didn't you know uh, look into it enough, but it seemed like it was just another uh, natural disaster, disaster happening yeah. in the U.S. But um, I I don't agree though. Um, it, at, in the Swedish media, this has been a, a big story, definitely, and mm. and especially since that 350 people are dead, mm. and that's uh, no matter how common disasters are, uh, that's big. Well, sure. and something something I've noticed is that you can have a lower count of deaths and it's a bigger story if those deaths are more widespread you see what i'm saying so if there was an explosion and 350 people died in one town it's not as big a story as when those deaths are spread out over dozens of towns and mm-hmm. i think the reason why is because you feel like um you you feel at risk as a as an observer of the news you know you you're watching the news thinking gosh I could be next, you know? Mm. I, I can't get a, a far enough away from this thing because it's so widespread. Sure. Oh, well, so, that's also the classical example of us reacting so much more to deaths in the Western world if we live in the Western world ourselves, which course. is sometimes a bit depressing. Uh, mm-hmm. I did that myself. I have to admit this. I'm going to do that on air. Uh, this is very embarrassing, but I was watching... Uh, the news from Japan, as everyone else, and uh, I was sitting there breastfeeding my baby, crying, just as you said, Patrick, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, watching this horrible thing, and uh, and I went to my computer and I thought, I have to give some money, <laughs> and I went into this uh, help on yeah. organization's homepage, and, and they said, well, you know, Japan has a good economy, you know. We don't we don't send them money. We we might, you know, send some some materials and people there, but we don't send them money because they have a good economy. But Libya, for example, they could use your money. And I was like, yeah, yeah they could. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> and I sent. Yeah. Uh, I ended up giving money to Libya. Oh uh, well, very good for you. <laughs> for the United States, the Japan story, which is still way up there, I would call it one of the top three for the month of April. Uh, for the United States, the Japan story is starting to show you the difference in how large the United States is. Because if you just ask me, how is, how, how is the U.S. handling Japan in the news, I would say, well, where are you in the U.S.? Mm. It's still much more of a story on the West Coast, closer to Japan than it is on the East Coast. And I think that probably counts for, for instance, Canada. I'm sure that in British Columbia, there's a lot more uh, talk about Japan, a lot more daily coverage of Japan than over in Quebec. Um, to close off this uh, section on the Middle East and you know um, local stories too, I just want to say, so we can't really talk about, we're not going to talk about the terrorist attack in uh, Morocco, but obviously that was a huge topic a couple of days ago. Um, and the Fatah and Hamas reconciling is an enormous story which will have... Um, uh, consequences for the months and years to come, um, which would be interesting to to talk about at some point. Um, in I have a feeling you, a, a month from now on the Phileas Club, you'll be talking about Fatah and Hamas I, and have a lot more perspective. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Mm. Um, Cote d'Ivoire was also quite big because uh, Gbagbo finally, uh, he was arrested actually, and uh, Alassane Ouattara um, actually 
ended up getting the power that you know he was elected for a few months ago so that was pretty big too the the one thing i i want to get into just shortly is um the story of tunisian immigrants that um well left tunisia uh, of course and arrived in italy tens of thousands of them have been arriving in italy and that's been causing huge issues for italy and france um actually because They are obviously illegal immigrants. Some of them don't even have identification. And they've been disrupting the uh, Tunisian, you know, economy and just, you know, social climate because there, no country can just absorb that many people so quickly. And the thing is, they want to, these people, a lot of them want to go to France because they have some family in France, uh, uncle, you know, something. Of course, we have very close tied with the, uh, ties with the uh, northern Africa part of the world. Um, and the, it, this caused a big issue, I'm getting to that, because Italy, uh, since they don't have any papers, they shouldn't be allowed to move across borders even within you know the schengen uh, space mm -hmm. but italy doesn't want them to stay in italy so what they've been doing is giving away temporary authorizations that have absolutely no legal you know uh, grounds and basically getting them out of italy through completely illegal means of giving them authorizations papers that allow them to get out of italy and go to france so that has been a, a source of uh, discussion between the two countries. And on a broader note, it's in, it, at least that's the way I feel. I think a lot of people in France feel the same way. It's amazingly irresponsible of the Italian government to... Obviously, it's not easy to deal with that issue, but to just blatantly, you know give authorizations to people who don't even have identification is something that is quite beyond what anyone i think has done not certainly not beyond beyond what anyone has done but within the the schengen space in the eu it's almost if you had told me someone had done this you know a month ago i would have said that's a funny joke you can't do that um So, yeah, that was quite a bit big topic, and it's led uh, France and Italy to discuss things and to maybe even change the um, rules of the Schengen space to make it, uh, to close the borders of the Schengen space in cases like these. To But do you, do you mean close the borders around, like on the outside of that so, block of countries or so for between example, the countries themselves? Uh, the way I imagine it going, I'm not... I, I'm not, you know, I haven't read up all of this, but the way it's, it's, I understand it is in case of specific circumstances, then France could close, could close its border. It's, you know, the border it used to have, uh, or yeah, the border it has between uh, France and Italy and say, you know, Italians now, from now on, you have to show a passport to come to France. You, you, you have to have a visa, for example. Right, you have right. to, where, because between the countries that are part of the Schengen space, you don't even need a passport. You can just show your ID card and you're fine. You, you can mm. just go without any sort of, it's not even that you have an automatic temporary tourist visa. It's that you can do anything you want. You can just go there and, right. you know, start living there. 
So, um, so I mean, the, the, the Schengen Agreement is 25 years old. The, the current rule set has been in place for 15 years. Right. Do, you, do you feel like, like Sarkozy should be able to just to go to Italy and change the agreement? Just <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, this is deep. Uh, this is a huge concern. I mean, uh, this is it's a one concern of the... for other countries in the United uh, EU as well, of course. And and I think it's being debated in all countries at the moment sure. because uh, people are moving more. And recently, we also, uh, you know, from Sweden, we get a lot of people from Macedonia that are recently got a uh, permit to travel within the EU and um, what has happened here is that we have seen an increased um, racism in the country growing. I'm not sure about France but I saw tendencies lately that you're also having a growing racism in yeah, the country. Yeah, I mean the, 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 the far right party has been, um, you know, has been growing in in the polls uh in the past few months we've always had a far right party if you remember in 2002 uh the far right candidate uh came second in the mm -hmm. presidential election so that it, they have spikes from time to time but at the same time we have a very large um northern african population in france it's not i don't think you know i don't think people who are not racist would say that's fine, we can just absorb the whole immigrating population of the recently um, revolutionized northern African countries. It, no country can do that. You have to mm. regulate that yeah. anyway. And I really don't think it's about racism at all. Obviously, you have to create something, some infrastructure or some sort of process to help the people who have... But maybe, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a large debate, but I just wanted to point out that that was being discussed. And... Um, and the Schengen uh, Accord is something that I think no one wants to see revisited um, too widely. Um, so, yeah. Well, this is, this is the point where I always say on the Phileas Club, everything you've been talking about for the last 10 minutes, zero impact in the United States via the media. I mean, yeah. the, I would imagine you would have to watch the most comprehensive channel all day long to even hear the phrase Schengen Agreement. I mean, really, it just, it just doesn't get through in the United States. When well, you that's have... understandable, you know? It's, okay. Mm. It's, I, I mean, it's a huge deal for us, but it's not like it's not like it has... It, it has consequences that don't uh, necessarily affect countries outside of the EU specifically, so... Yeah. But I, I'm surprised, though, that it's been discussed a lot in, in Sweden, too. Uh, I would have thought it's one of those, you know, people uh, in the South do things and weird stuff. <laughs> We're part of the European Union, though, so... No, of course, Schengen of course. does but, affect us. Of course, of course, but, you know... <laughs> and we are usually, one of the biggest... Uh, um, uh, we have taken uh, almost the most amount of immigrants to our country the last 20 years. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize because my whole view now, my view of Scandinavia is sort of colored by Finland. And uh, in Finland, you know, when you see one person who's not, you know, paper white, pale and blonde, you sort of ring a bell because you're you think something's going wrong. Uh, they have very, very few immigrants, even though they just got a parliamentary election and the true Finns, which is the far right party, they're some of the crazies. We have a lot of far-right parties. I live in, in Sweden's third biggest city, and yeah. we have 33% immigrants wow. in the city. Wow, so you're really not Finland at all. 
No. Hmm. All right. Uh, you know what? We are already half an hour in. Um, but I really, really want to talk about the royal wedding. Um, <laughs> and it's also very funny that Randy says, I haven't heard a thing about this thing with immigrants or Schengen in the United States. But he have heard about the royal wedding. Well, of course. I mean, uh, you, you can't... You can't escape that. That's yeah. something. The That's United States, the United States alone, probably had five dozen news organizations, you know, covering it. So I mean, they're, it going was, to, they're going to put it on the air. If they're going to send people over there, they're going to 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 spend time on the air. Well, I think it's safe to say that you know, reports say that there were two billion people watching. So it's safe to assume that every single country was doing a massive. Uh, amount on, of reporting on on the royal wedding. Um, what I would like to know is how people were approaching it, because from what I understand, I mean, what I've seen around me is some French people were sort of angry for some reason, but most people were just like, yeah, fine, whatever, it's kind of funny, let's just... We're, we're amused by this display of strange, you know, pride for two people getting married when, yes, she looks pretty, but we are, you have to remember that we are, you know, obviously very far removed from any sort of ro royalty and, um, uh, you know, monarchial events uh, in this mm -hmm. country since we sort of, you know, cut the heads of our kings and queens a few years ago um but i i was always assuming that the people we admire you for that at least part of our country <laughs> well, th that's the thing you guys in sweden have a, a queen we have and... a monarchy yeah yes, exactly. we have this little so... king and this on this princesses that are just waving and having fancy so clothes assume... on and no power at all i would assume that you were interested in all this and that you would take it with you know that it would be fun for you to watch well, that happen. we had our own royal it. wedding last summer. Yeah. Our, our crown princess Victoria got married, and that was a big hoo ha. And uh, <laughs> we had a nine-hour uh, TV show showing that wedding on, on the television, and everybody was talking about it. Surprisingly enough, because monarchy is falling in popularity, and mostly it's little old ladies who think that we should still should keep our monarchy. So. When they die eventually, I, I'm not sure we're going to have a monarchy anymore. Especially it, not since since our king, <laughs> Carl Gustav, has uh, uh, a book came out uh, last year uh, about all his uh, affairs with different women and uh, scandalous uh, musical stars and, oh. and and stuff like that. Okay, so you're it's it's and not also his, he didn't his, write the book. I thought you were saying that no, he wrote a very, the book. No, a very close friend of his wrote the book and this these are such secure sources that everybody the media and and the public and I mean believe him? everybody believes it and uh, wow. And uh, the way that the royal court have handled it makes you believe it even more. So mm. I, th I definitely think it's true. I mean, he's so, famous for being a playboy, isn't he? But I have but no idea. In... <laughs> just, so, just so you understand, I never know anything about any, you know, crowned person in the world at all. No, no. So, but so it's for very, that royal it's... wedding, did did you guys? Because I would think in Sweden it would be almost a a, a day off also because you know hey they're getting married it's a party but you're saying that people don't really like that kind of event 
people love the crown princess. They think she's smart, beautiful, and everything that her father isn't. Uh, You're talking they, about the, the Swedish monarchy. And she monarchy. married a man of the people, a very down-to-earth man that comes from a small village. So that's, you know, people like that kind of stuff. It has a fairy tale quality to it. So their wedding uh, made uh, popularity go up for, for our royal house. Mm. Uh, and at the same time, it was pulled down by, uh, yeah, the father making a fool of himself. And what about William and Kate, though? Yeah, that's that's the funny thing, because uh, on one page they say uh, Swedish people are losing uh, uh, their their trust to to royal uh, to monarchy and, and are questioning its existence, and then. The last few days, uh, the the English wedding uh, has been on every front page. It's been the far biggest news. We had that. Second has been uh, the floodings in America. And then down the line on fifth, sixth spot, there has been Syria and, and uh, mm. Libya. So people are actually very... In, interested in that wedding well, even though, well, you know it's like it's like people saying yeah AT&T sucks when the iPhone comes out on Verizon I'm gonna go to Verizon right away AT&T sucks and then you know the iPhone comes out on Verizon and everyone's watching the royal wedding I mean you know <laughs> if you see what I mean people say the monarchy mm. sucks and then there's something that happens and they're all in front of their TVs that's, that's I, I really right. can't explain it because it eludes me. I have certainly okay. not spent tell, any tell time me this, Maria. Were, were you watching the wedding? No, I was oh, certainly okay. not watching. I got a call from my grandma who said, Maria, Maria, are you, are you, are you, have you seen the hats? And I'm like, what, what hats, grandma? What are you talking about? <laughs> the hats were spectacular. Oh, the I'm hats, happy to watch I, I so I want a website. I know the one exists, but I want a website where I can go look at the top 100 stupidest hats that someone <laughs> got a picture of from the royal wedding. Seriously, at maybe top 500. It was amazing. So I I imagine you did watch. Uh, oh, and by the way, a, a, a website with the top 100 stupidest hat stupidest hats. <laughs> Would be very different from website, would be a very different thing from a uh, website with the 100 stupidest top hats. That that's be. that's correct. Very good. Yeah. That's good. So so you've been watching it then in the states? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, oh. for for one thing, uh, I don't don't have your royal wedding on a Friday. Do it on a Saturday. What are you thinking? <laughs> I don't and understand then, that at all. It was it was the middle of the night for you guys, wasn't it? Right, that's exactly right. For and and they also had it earlier in the day than they. Now I realize I've I've been to a fair number of weddings. You try to have a wedding at midday. That's something people always do. But in this case, they should have if they really wanted to make the biggest splash, they should have had it late in the afternoon, so that um, a number of people in the United States could have could have seen it because there's there's just no everybody I know said oh well I didn't get up to. I'm not going to get up at two in the morning to watch the wedding. What was the um, the general opinion on it, though? Because uh, you guys don't have a monarchy either, uh, <laughs> and we don't really care about any. We we sort of watch it with a with a you know amusement rather right. than fervor. Is that the case? It's, also, it's the same thing here. You know, in in Canada, you're you're in the Commonwealth, and you get the day off. 
you know, like in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all, all over the Commonwealth. India got the day off. Well, some of India. I'm sure a lot of India didn't know it was happening. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but you know, in the, and so in the Commonwealth, you got the day off. People had a, you know, although I would imagine on the west coast of Canada, <laughs> you know, or, or even in Australia and New Zealand, people aren't going to, to, you know, go out of their way in the middle of the night. Or, or you know, in Australia and New Zealand, <laughs> late in the evening, you know, in, in the west coast sure. of Canada, early in the morning. Just, uh, that's just ridiculous. But um, the you know, the United States, the, there was no day off. There was no, there was not a lot of sort of uh, stoppage of other news. Now, I will say, I would, I think Americans had some fatigue on the story. You know, through the month of April, there is a point where you get tired of hearing about the upcoming wedding. I'm so glad it's over. Mm. I've heard a number of people say they're so glad it's over. Now, would you kids please go on a honeymoon so we can? <laughs> Stop hearing about this thing, but and uh, go back to serious business. Right. You know but, what was? Oh, sorry. Keep going. I was just going to say the wedding itself, just because of the its day and time of day, didn't didn't get as much attention in the states right. as it could have. I was surprised. I work with a lot of uh, English people, and I was surprised that they didn't really. You know, of course, when they ended up having the, you know saying their vows and we were some of us were having it in the background on youtube um the english people also ended up watching it and watching the kiss on the balcony and all of that but there was a lot less out of all the people i have around me that were you know i know lots of different um uh, nationalities the english people were the most uh immune to the wedding craziness they were like fine whatever we don't care you know city hats and old people sitting in a in a in a church fine um and i was surprised there were a lot of people who were very excited um from other countries also although obviously the i think it it depends on who you know i mean the english people you surround yourself with patrick aren't necessarily royalists are they well, no, but it doesn't. I don't think anyone is like super royalist. Like, I mean, ro- I mean, the, my the fiance is, anything, is just uh, he just annoyed at the whole thing and a little bit mm. embarrassed on his country's behalf, and uh, he's English. Uh, yeah, yeah, there, but, there, there is a little bit of that, and also some one thing I don't understand is the haters. Like, why do you? A lot of people are just go crazy when you mention William and Kate. They go in, in in France, as I was saying, but you know some in other countries too. They go like, "That's ridiculous! That's horrible! That's ah, monarchies! We don't need well, them! The, we don't the, want the them!" The thing that's kind of appalling is the fact that actually the state is putting in quite a lot of money to these weddings. Sure, but yeah. they're they're making for the country a huge amount of money from the. But they're also activity. the richest landowners in the country. At the same time, these people, the royal family, mm-hmm. the biggest landowner in, in Great Britain. So yeah. why should the taxpayers then pay for their wedding? Even because if it's... you could argue that they make money in good you know, public appearance and, and tourism or whatever. Well, but even, exactly if you took down, even if you took down the, I think the royal spend... system in, in, in Britain, then just as many tourists would visit Buckingham Palace. I'm not sure they would make it. The economy would be, you know, the whole part of the economy that's based on the monarchy would then not exist. And I think it's quite a big part. You know, buying stupid plates with Kate's face on 
that <laughs> wouldn't exist. <laughs> and, you know, they're putting in like, I don't know, 300 million uh, pounds and they're guessing they're going to, that it's going to uh, uh, incur 2 billion uh, pounds in, in spending or whatever. You know, it's, I don't really understand why the old, you know, disliking, sure, the, the vehement hating is yeah. less of a, I don't know. I just look at it as my weird, strange cousins that have a queen that waves on the balcony and doesn't make me angry, but I don't know. <laughs> All right. We could, we could probably discuss this for uh, quite a long time still, but we're a little bit out of, out of time. Do you guys want to add something? Uh, I keep interrupting you. So. I, always, I always enjoy ending the show on a bit of news that's lighthearted. Go ahead. Unlikely um, royal weddings. All right, which is <laughs> yeah. serious business. Yeah. So as you, as I'm sure you've heard, we have a not serious but very deadly serious presidential contender in the United States who has just come from nowhere in the month of April to. Oh, holy crap! Are you going to be talking about his royal highness, the hair dude? We shall overcome. That's Mr. right, Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> so. The, the Actually, month I of wanted April, to ask you about it because I've seen, you know, people talking about it on Twitter, but I don't know what he said or what happened. So thank you. So, so in the month of April, out of nowhere, this, uh, you know, this reality show star who also uh, tries to convince the world that he's very wealthy and he's not, he's not very wealthy. He just acts like he is. Uh, Donald Trump has established himself as a potential candidate for president. With the Republican Party, which is odd because he used to, you know, only 10 years ago, he was, there was talk that he would be a Democrat candidate for uh, some office. But um, he now likes the Republican Party because, I mean, who, who among, the, among the wacky doesn't like the Republican Party in the United States? If you're <laughs> wacky, you know, if you're a clown, that's the place to be. It's the party that's somewhat out of power, so you get to... You well, know, they you get to, also don't have one clear candidate so if he wants to get anywhere right <clears throat> right so right and and clowns love a car full of other clowns so he wants to get in and <laughs> um so it just out of nowhere all of this all of a sudden donald trump is talking about uh whether or not he's going to run for president and within a really short span of three weeks he went from oh that's a joke to they did a poll and he was the number one choice among republican likely voters <laughs> for their nomination for president and it's just scary. it's mind-boggling and of course he can't just uh, if he had, if he really wanted to be president he would have done that and then shut up but he can't shut up and just yesterday he had a party in las vegas at one of his properties where a thousand people came to see him give a speech and rather than shut up he lost his mind and was recorded and quoted as saying things that are just so not presidential you know just like this, what um a lot of curse words a lot of a lot of things that you never say about any president it doesn't matter you know there's a certain respect that you have for the president of the united states even if you're a part of the opposition and he went well outside of that you know just hmm. so not uh it's it wasn't even very was grown he the up. one that was bringing up 
the Obama birth certificate thing? Yes, that's how he got his that's how he got his foot in the door in early yeah. April. He came he just came out and told some reporters, I don't think Obama was born in the United States. Mm. And they oh boy, the reporters went crazy. Oh my gosh, Donald Trump wants to run for president. You know, thinks that Obama isn't an American. And <laughs> it just it just went from there. And it's just been okay. so fun. I can't tell you how much fun it has been to get to get the news every day and see what he has done next. It's better than Charlie Sheen because with Charlie Sheen there's nothing on the line. There's nothing important about Charlie Sheen making an idiot of himself, you know? Donald Trump could actually end up debating Barack Obama. Please, I'm begging, I'm begging the universe, please make that happen. <laughs> that would be fun indeed. Uh, one thing I want to mention also is something that a few people sent uh, in emails and Twitter uh, messages to me. It's also a funny, lighthearted uh, story from France. Um, in France, you're allowed to drink. It's okay to drink a glass of wine or beer at lunch. Mm. Um, of, of course, you know, that would be the country where that's okay. But it's also okay in uh, the government and the administration. And part of the government and the administration is the police. And part of the police force is the anti-riot police, <laughs> which um, at some point, um, someone, uh, one of the directors of that uh, corps got a picture taken of them having a glass of wine at lunch during a, a, a strike or, you know, demonstration <laughs> or something like that. Uh, I'm not clear on the details, but the important thing is... Uh, From that point on, it was decided by Sarkozy and others that that's probably not the best idea, so we're going to ban, you know, put a ban on drinking while you're on the job, which seems kind of reasonable, but uh, the anti-riot police didn't think so and went on strike. So <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they went on strike and okay, they didn't so, hey, want to Okay, so can they have... drink now when they are on strike, but there's kind of a riot going on? I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what happens when they're on strike or maybe if they're the ones doing the rioting, they, uh, I don't know. They It's can very... drink. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of a funny story too. And I would love to talk about uh, Mr. Uh, Hare and, uh, and the police and all of that and lots of stuff more but uh, i'm sure we'll have uh, uh, chances to talk about some of these topics later uh, in the coming months but for now we have to bring this show to a close i have to leave and i'm sure you guys have stuff to do too so i'm going to end this session with by asking you guys uh, where people can find you on the internet if they want to follow you outside of the show maria Well, I'm only present on Twitter, and that would be my name. So it's Maria Sandforce. Excellent. Uh, I'm. I, I, yeah, that's true. You're giving out your full name now. Hmm. Yes, I am. <laughs> that's that's. And I'm the nice. only one in the world with that name, actually. <laughs> so really? it's a bit scary. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't go stalk her. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little stalking is okay, right, Maria? <laughs> a little, just a little you, bit. You can stalk me, Randy. I'm cool All with right. that. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, Randy, if people want to stalk you, what should they do? Oh, twitter.com slash Randy Deluxe. And uh, still to this day, I am the only person in the world trading by that name. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> why it's not more popular. Randy Deluxe, that's the name. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Randy. And for me, it's not Patrick. 
I mean, it's <laughs> not Patrick. Everywhere. <laughs> ah, never mind. Okay, thanks a lot for everyone. And we'll talk to you again in a month with hopefully Turkey back. Bye. Bye bye. Aloha. Like you're there!